you have fully vacant units on your property that you have mothballed until next semester? If you do, I bet you've thought to yourself, we should list those on Airbnb for game day weekends or for parents visiting their kids. Maybe you're in a college town like Austin or Raleigh or Tallahassee and your city has large festivals and not enough hotel rooms. You know you could lease those units on a nightly or a weekly basis. Providing short-term rentals on platforms like Airbnb can provide a great source of ancillary income, but it takes some, uh, all right, excuse me, it takes a lot of organization. There's the additional setup of providing linens and coffee makers and all the little things that a short-term tenant will expect. Then there's the regulatory and tax issues that could require additional work. More importantly, there's the time and labor to market on all the multiple platforms, handle the reservations and cancellations, the cleaning, and then there's the bookkeeping. All of this turns into a big distraction from the main job at hand, which is operating and leasing your property. That's where Vector Travel comes in. These guys know the short-term rental industry and they know how to relieve all of those burdens from the property manager. And best of all, they've become experts in how to do that with student properties. They understand the complexity of mixing travelers with college students. They know it so well, they can quickly identify if a student property is not going to be a good fit for their program. So if you have vacant units, reach out to Vector Travel and have them do a free, no obligation assessment to determine if enrolling your vacant units in their program will be beneficial. Go to VectorStays.com forward slash SHI. Fill out a quick form to receive more information. You will also get the first month service fee waived by going to that specific landing page. Again, that's VectorStays.com forward slash SHI. Welcome to the Student Housing Insight Podcast, where we are putting you in touch with the people who bring student housing to life. I'm your host, Wesley Dees. And joining me today for the first time in a very long time is one of our co-hosts, Greta Dare. Greta, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm so excited to be sitting across the computer from your voice. Um, <laughs> it's, it's been a while. It has been a while. That was um, the weirdest descriptor ever. Sitting across the computer from your voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we typically don't don't uh, don't use video for for these podcast recordings. So, You're uh, using video though, so that, so that there's a context here for everyone. I'm looking at Wes's <laughs> face on a video, and he's been complaining at me for not turning my video on. Thus, why he is sitting across a computer from my voice. <laughs> Welcome to 2020. We we. I'd, uh, we sit at Sir, home we without. left 2020 in the past. We forgot about 2020. It never this happened. True. This is 2021. Yeah. We uh, we actually started this conversation an hour and a half ago and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been catching up about all the craziness that that the world has turned into after 2020. So, um, but hey, you have had a lot of stuff happening through 2020 that I want to catch our audience up on because there's <sighs> a reason you haven't been involved with with co-hosting over the past year and that is you are now the president of book and ladder this is true i i am that indeed that that did happen 
And and Book and Ladder, for those that have not heard, is a, a new student housing management. I shouldn't say student housing. I think you guys are getting involved with with conventional, conventional as housing well, as well. Yeah, property management about, company. Tell us about Book and Ladder, Greta. So Book and Ladder, as mentioned, is a property management company. Technically, the legal entity name is Book and Ladder Collegiate Communities. And yes, it's it's um, property management done differently. And so I was asked to join the team in July of last year, I believe it was. And we just dove in head first, a new startup company. And I believe as of... I don't know, I think next week or the week out, I don't, we're, we're at like 15 communities at this point headed right around the corner. It'll be at 16 or 17. Oh, uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's been a, a heck of a ride. So yeah, it's incredible. I have, I have the most amazing team I could possibly ask for. And that is absolutely, that's an incredible statement considering all of the incredible people that I've I've been lucky enough to work with, so... It's uh yeah I and you've brought you've brought in some some key players here recently that that I've even have got look you stay around this industry for <laughs> for as long as I have <laughs> you end up knowing you know all the players right and so it's you've brought a, a few folks on here recently that I know are just thrilled to to be joining and it's cool watching this watching this team come together so congrats on that. Thank you. Yeah, you you sent me one of my godsend. You sent me Miller, man. That was <laughs> yeah, I, like, I couldn't Miller. possibly have asked for more. That was luck. That was absolute luck. So thank you for that. <laughs> well, um, it, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 good getting good people together and uh, excited excited for you guys. I know you guys are you're currently still in Charlotte, but I think the plan Correct. is to to move to Dallas? That is the plan, yes. We will be putting the property management office in a really fantastic location in the the Dallas, well, in the Dallas location, but it is Plano, like Plano Frisco area, yeah, essentially. Yeah. yeah. So. Exciting stuff. Um, yes, sir. So looking forward to, looking forward to all the good things that are, that are going to come out of that. But you... You didn't, that's, you know, we never took you off the website. You know, we still had our phone calls, even though they were, you know. More <laughs> scattered. Far, far, <laughs> yeah, far less frequent, but which is, is probably one of the reasons we talked for so long before starting this intro. So, but anyway, thanks for, thanks for catching us up. And, you know, if there's, I'm sure there are folks that are out there listening saying, oh, you know, I, I either know Greta from this or, or you know, from, from some other prior work experience or they, they know you from the podcast and I know you guys are looking for, you know, good people. If there's a way that they can get in touch with you, what's the best way? Listen, you all, if you are looking for an amazing company to come work or you just are really excited to potentially come work with me because you just can't seem to get enough of my annoying <laughs> opinions and voice, if for some reason you're you're crazy like that, I love you for it, um, you are more than welcome to just email me directly at Greta at book in the letter N ladder.com L A D D E R. Um, otherwise, yeah, you can go straight to our website at book and ladder PM.com and go contact us. That's an option too. You can also find us on LinkedIn. I feel like I just did an advertisement. Thank you. Contact <laughs> us at book ladder.com. Side effects may include awesomeness. <laughs> well, Hey, um, so 
On today's episode, we are actually, I'm playing an interview from uh, from our memo web series back in, in March, actually. Uh, that started in February, but this particular episode was at the beginning of March and was part of our motivation and leadership insights. And it was with Willie Butler, who's also one of our co-hosts. For those of you guys that you know, may not know who Willie is, uh, he is the co-founder along with Victoria Inchill with Empower Property Management Consultants. But he also wrote a book a couple of years ago. Um, Actually, it's been exactly two years ago this August since it came out called Releasing, Counterintuitive Approach to to Leasing. And that is um, kind of where I first met Willie. (laughs) He sent me a copy of of the book that, I mean, it wasn't a, a completed copy. I think it was just like one chapter. And at the time he was working at Asset Living and he said, Hey, you know, I've heard your voice. I like what you're doing. I would really like to get your opinion on, you know, on this book that I'm working on. And I was just like, went through that, that sample chapter that it, that he sent me. And I was like, this, this guy gets it. I want to make sure that <laughs> we, uh, we help him with this thing. And, and so he launched the book in 2019, and uh, you know it was very well received within student housing. It's it's the only book that you'll find out there that is that, that's wrote from a perspective of, of student housing that can be really used for anything. Um, uh, if someone's in a, in a sales and a sales leadership uh, role, but obviously, you know, student housing is is Willie's background and and so it's it's written from that perspective and because of that it just it resonates so much especially with folks at the at the kind of general manager community manager leasing manager role at a lot of the student housing sites that are out there so anyway you got to see this Greta and and I kind of want to get your what were some of your takeaways so to me, it was, there were a couple of things. One, we've talked about the fact that there's a lot of training that's, that, that, sh- that we're still lacking in the student housing industry as much as I, I hate to say that, um, but it is true. And I think that a lot of people know that. But one of the things that, you know, yes, sales, yes, customer service, but absolutely man- management and leadership. And I think that this is more than just, you know, a management webinar or a day of leadership training or a week seminar or something like that. This is something that we really need to ensure that if we're promoting somebody into like a leasing manager or a leasing and marketing manager role, that they're learning how to, they're not taking that role just because they're good at leasing or great at leasing. Because I can honestly say that that's why I was put into that role because I was just great at leasing, but that they were, that we're showing them how to teach others how to be great at it, that they're great at empowering others, that they're inspiring others, they're motivating the rest of the team to be great. Because I think that like Willie talks about in this interview is that not only at that role and the manager role, but then also in a corporate role, and I want to talk about that in a second, um, that we have this really bad tendency to actually kind of be like the bad parents where we just we expect you to do things because of the role that I'm now in, that I carry this title and you need to either do it and respect me because I said so, um, or fear the loss of your job or fear a write-up. And that could not, that's, that isn't how we get anywhere. 
people need to, as humans, we know this, as humans, you're going to get so much out of your team through the inspiration of wanting the desire to be great. And we should want people to want to do that. And so some people are just naturally that great at it, but, and some people will self-teach them. But if we want our properties to be the, the self-generating or revenue generators that they have the capability of being, regardless of whether or not they're C, B, or A properties, they all have that capability with incredible teams. And that means that we do need to spend more time helping our teams be incredible. And then on top of that, it isn't just the leasing managers that need this. This is also our community managers and them offering that support and guidance. But it's up to us to have that training program in place to be able to empower them. And then also at the corporate level. And this is something that gets me so profusely. It's it's something where I've seen this so many times where you have senior managers, you have directors, you have VPs who are in these roles and you, they have this expectation that they show up on site and it's, I'm here and you need to impress me. Everything should look perfect. And mm. I'm here, like, you need to give me all of your attention. And it's like, you know, or you need to do this because I said so, or like this command of respect because of my title. And again, I have that same expectation of inspire and empower people to be great. And that is actually your role and responsibility. And in fact, I feel like the higher you go in a company, the more responsible you are for that. And that needs to be taken very, very seriously. Um, and if you aren't great at that, then it's really difficult for that, that expectation to roll downhill because it isn't, you know, there's that saying, and I, I don't love the saying, I'm I'm just going to call it the snowball effect. Actually, I'm not going to say the same. <laughs> Where things roll downhill, great things should roll downhill. Everything else should stop before it goes down besides greatness. And so that inspiration should roll down. That wonderful should roll down and nothing else. And I feel like we don't see that enough. Um, but the last thing that I thought about, and I brought this up, or I'm, I'm going to bring this up right now because of the fact that you're talking about right now how... Um, you know, we, we went all this time and I'm still here and I'm still your co-host and, you know, it's, it's here we are. And we have been together in this interaction for, I don't even know how many years now. And I remember writing, you know, the stuff for his SHI, however many years ago. And it's been three years now that we've been doing SHI. Well, it's been, it's been since 27, the podcast launched in, August of 2017. So it's right at four years. Okay. Four years this August. It's pretty amazing. So then <laughs> you and I have been doing this for obvious or, uh, you know, being Greta and Wes for seven, six, seven, something like that. Yeah. Something. Yeah. So here's the thing that I find interesting about that is that, so for those who don't know, um, so obviously Wes was my COO at a company that we worked out before and, Obviously, like we said, I'm still here. And one of the things that a lot of anyone who knows me and knows Wes, one of the things that I always say, I'm like, here's the thing about Wes. I know I'm the co-host of the podcast. And when he first asked me, and I was just like, absolutely not. I don't want to. I'm like, but here's the thing. Wes will talk me into anything that he is doing. It doesn't matter what it is. Like if he, he's like, I just end up all going along with it, like regardless of circumstance. And, but that's the thing. And it's always been that way. And it's, this is this has been this has been the relationship. This is the way that it's always been. And it it started because back when we did work together, 
there was great leadership that was there. And we all loved our team. We were all inspired to work hard, to be great, and to show up no matter how, how difficult or how hard the job was going to be. And that shows because I'm still here, <laughs> no matter what the circumstance. And it's that's the way that's the way that we do need to be. We need to have those people that follow us for years and years and years and never want to stop being in contact with us and never want to stop being a part of our projects because they loved us right from the beginning. And that's the way that it is supposed to be. And that's when you know that you're doing something right. And I think that that is a that is a key takeaway. I think it's a, incredibly important, especially as we're about to go into turn. And we are about to ask the biggest, we ask the most from our teams right as we're going into the summer months. The majority of the students are gone. We're still pushing for leasing, especially after we're still at the end of the pandemic. And so many of us are behind in our year-over-year numbers. And we have investors and shareholders and banks and whomever it is, they're still begging us for numbers. And we're still pleading for this to happen. But then we're also getting our turns, all of our turn schedules and everything figured out. And then we're about to go in and be like, we know that we just pushed for all of these leasing numbers. But hey, get ready for your 12 and 16 hours where you're going to be moving furnitures and doing trash outs. And just we're about to ask for so much. So please, please just remember that you have to stand and 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 the bullets have to hit you from behind mm. because nothing can roll downhill except for that inspiration, except for that greatness. And nobody at the team site level is going to do that for their teams and create and generate that greatness if you aren't doing it for them in the first place. And right now it is, it's crucial. It could not possibly be more important. And yes, yeah, such a good point. And yes, thank you for, thank you for those those kind words and and thank you for for <laughs> following me sometimes blindly and <laughs> maybe even unwillingly <laughs> um, because you, you've been uh, you know an integral part of of me not only setting up student housing insight but also providential student housing and there's uh, not just not just the website but you know uh, especially early on you were you know you were part of the team you were one of the folks that you know, I was contracting with on a, you know, for, for particular projects and you've, you've been absolutely invaluable. And that's why I know, you know, no matter where you go, you're going to do amazing things. And so. Thanks, man. But, but yeah, I mean, this is, and this is why I held this particular recording for Memo back because I've been releasing them about a month after they aired on memo, but <clears throat> I held this one back because you think with, you know, with Willie, this is going to be, you know, something really focused on leasing and, and that type of thing. And, and it is, this, you know, this is, we're in our last stride, you know, this is coming out in mid June. And so we're kind of in our last stride of, of, uh, of our pre-leasing efforts and that type of thing. But, but this is, uh, you know, a period of the year where it's, it's either time to to be promoted or be exposed, right? As a leader, and that's not just because of of turn and and move in happening, but this is also the time when there's a lot of changes that are happening. Properties are, you know, being teed up to be sold, and you know you've got those properties that didn't get leased up. Maybe there was a leadership problem, 
And, uh, and I know someone that, that I'm kind of working with, um, that, that just, you know, came into a GM position or a, a, you know, a property lead property manager site position that the property isn't, hasn't been leasing up well. And he's, uh, you know, he is a strong sales leasing person. And so he, he's only been there for, for a week and a half and, and, you know, was kind of, um, uh, you know, there were some some quick changes that that happened. You know, just within the the timing that he's been there, but he's used to it being so much more. And we we had a long conversation about it, and, and just you know, making sure his his head was in the right place, and he was thinking about what's ahead of him for the next six to eight weeks. And you know, I, I'm sure he's listening to this podcast because I told him it was coming out. I was like, you really got to listen to this. And for that person, you know who you are. I think there's a lot of folks that are out there right now that, you know, have taken on a new property and, or you've got, you've recently been promoted and now you've got this leadership thing on top of you and not just this production part, you know, production being cranking out leases and getting traffic in the door and that type of thing. But now you've got, you've got people that are are going to be it's very, they are very dependent on you to make sure that not only are they getting the right direction, but they're also getting the right motivation. And, and so I think this is kind of a perfect timing for everybody to listen to this and, and, uh, you know, kind of have a reality check of, of what's, you know, what's important right now. So any other thoughts before we cut to the interview? I think if there was a soundtrack to this, it would be uh, the general by dispatch. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I couldn't not bring up the song, man. I can't not bring up the song. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to see if there's like, I think I can only bring up like nine seconds in order for <laughs> Apple Podcast to not um, mark it as. Um, I, it's funny. I was actually thinking about this. I wonder how many people in this are actually going to get that reference. Yeah, yeah It's a great go, song. Go go download it. I'm not sure I can play it and. And this podcast is being sponsored by Vector Travel. If you know you're going to have some um, <laughs> some vacancy uh, coming up this next year and you'd like to use it for short, short-term short rentals, please get in touch with the folks um, at Vector Travel. They can, they can turn that vacancy into something income producing. Yeah. And there's a great podcast that is on here that breaks down and has great questions and answers on what exactly it is that Vector Travel does if you're unfamiliar with it. Because right now, a lot of people are dealing with vacancies. Just go get all of your questions answered and use it because it's it's going to solve a lot of problems. Yeah. That was before they were ever a sponsor. I was just so, you know, enthralled Ex- with, yeah. with, what, uh, with what they were doing. And, and I, you know, I, I'm not just a uh, I'm not just a spokesperson, but I'm also a client, and uh, <laughs> I, I use them. At, also at sponsored the, by the Men's Warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> I also use them. Uh, oh wait, no, that's property. not the Men's Warehouse. <laughs> yeah, no, the, what was that? That was the the hair, hair club, hair club for hair men. Club for men yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's pretty. Uh, it was it was pretty amazing having them. I think we had like three fully vacant units at a property that, um, and actually through 2020, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was like, Oh shoot, nobody's going to be traveling, but so many people, and we ended up doing so much better because 
one, the hotels that were open, people were a little bit more scared of going to hotels versus, you know, a short-term rental type of situation. And, and yeah, we did fantastic. Well, a lot of people are moving away from enjoying hotels. Honestly, that's, that's been the feedback that I've heard from a lot of places. So, or just from a lot of people in general, I don't even like staying in hotels anymore. And you know how much I travel. Well, Hey, coming from the guy who I share this about my family with the, the podcast family, our, our AC at our, that was nine years old, finally kicked the bucket last week. And so I had my entire family in a hotel room for <laughs> five nights. You guys did that in it's one a, hotel room? Yeah. It, it, fortunately, it was uh, the first night was at Spring Hill Suites or whatever. And I love Spring and Hill. So we had, yeah, we had plenty of room. And then the new Hilton Home to Suites is where we were. At Those are legit. Four nights. Like that was, yeah, we had a full kitchen. It was, I mean, we were crowded. It was kind of like, I've yet to venture into buying an RV. It's it's actually something I, I want to do. I, For those who don't know, Wes has like nine million kids. Yeah, at least I from my four, perspective, I have four kids, <laughs> aged from five to fifteen. So right I was now is not the right time. Yeah. yeah, right now is not the right time um, to get an RV. But but that was pretty much what it felt like. It, it felt like a pretty good size RV, right? And. Um, it was good. We got it, it allowed us to have a lot of discussions as a family that we you know, we don't necessarily have when we're when we're in our house and everybody has their own bedroom to escape to. <laughs> kind of stuff. But um but yeah, it's uh hotels are nice, but they're not they're not the greatest, but anyway. It's not So as yeah, fun. call Vector Travel. Yes. All right, let's cut to this interview. <laughs> We're jumping back into Motivation and Leadership Insights with another author, uh, the author of Releasing, A Counterintuitive Approach to Apartment Leasing. This is the only book you're going to find out there that is about student housing, and it is written by our very own uh, co-host, and that is Willie Butler. And uh, this is also probably the only book you'll ever see an endorsement um, for me on the back of <laughs> so, Willie sent me a uh, sent me a section of this when he was writing it, and I was just uh, kind of blown away that I think this guy actually gets it, and so I was I was happy to uh, to to go out on a limb and endorse him for this, and it's been <laughs> it's been great. <laughs> and if you haven't read it, this came out in summer of 2019. That uh, there was a big promotion going on when it happened. If uh, if you haven't got the book, if you're new to student housing, this has got some great tactics in it, and it's really through those tactics that there's a lot of leadership that can be gained and a lot of leadership insights. So that's the main reason I wanted to bring Willie on today. But you could go out and get this on on Amazon. And uh, you know how Amazon works. It's just a couple of days before you can get it. But I would get this into to your hands, your leasing staff hands. It's a it's an incredible asset to have on your on your property. But let's go ahead and get into it. Willie. Welcome to Memo. How are you doing, man? Oh, man, I'm doing fantastic, Wes. Thank you for having me. Crazy excited to be uh, 
talking about this concept and uh, talking about releasing, man, by far, uh, by and large, my favorite book. I don't know, something about me and the author. We just, we just get each other. <laughs> <laughs> I bet so. <laughs> Well, hey, um, you know, Willie, your student housing career uh, up until 2019 is pretty similar to most people in the industry. You know, you were a college kid in in Washington looking for a job. You started leasing for a new property. You had some success. You had some failures. And we'll get into, you know, talking about how you overcame those. Um, and you learned from those failures. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, and, and moving from that, you got some promotions Heading up that corporate ladder and 2019, when you probably could have gone to work for any student housing company in the country, um, you know, at that corporate level, a director of leasing, a, a director of training, you know, all these these positions that when we start out on, on site and we start to understand the industry and kind of where we can go, everybody's kind of aspiring to get to that level. And, you know, at, Anybody else that was in your position in 2019 would have been looking to, you know, where they were going to take their talents to. But no, you decided to write a book and and really share those lessons learned. And I think more than anything, just encourage people to to get a new perspective. And obviously that led to, to you starting your own company. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure, as, as we go through this. But you and I, we met early in 2019. You were telling me about this book, as I was mentioning, and, and sent me a sample. And like I said, it was like somebody finally gets this and, and understands that, you know, it's not just about, you know, coming in, checking the boxes, you know, doing the things, getting things leased up. It's really about helping your team out. And, and I want to get into, into, into that. And why I think this is really so important is because when we start talking about this industry, you know, especially purpose-built student housing, uh, off-campus housing specifically, we've had so much growth over the past, you know, 10, 20 years that a lot of folks, myself included, moved up and were promoted very fast. And, you know, I was fortunate in my situation where I I got to work for a small company and I kind of got to see everything cradle to grave um, because of that. And, uh, you know, but but I see a lot of other folks that are out there that um, are working for these larger companies and they kind of get lost in that shuffle. But they get this they get this quick promotion from from CA to leasing agent, to full time leasing agent to you know, leasing manager and and general manager, sometimes within, you know, a short two years, you know, coming right out of college, right? If that, yeah. If that, if that, you're exactly right. And, you know, I think because of that, there's a obviously a lack of fully understanding property operations, you know, how a decision in 2021 is going to impact operations in 2023, you know, there's a lack of understanding of, of market dynamics, right? You know, what makes one market different from another market? But most importantly, there's just this huge lack of leadership and team building skills that I think is is so important. And I agree. Um, you know, that, that concerns me because, you know, if, if you can't lead a team, you're never going to get to a point of understanding property operations and, and market dynamics, so that that's what I really wanted to to dive into with you because you talk a lot about leadership in your book. Yeah, there's a lot of tactics, 
that you go that you go over as well. And, and it's so many little nuggets, man. I mean, I, I've read it twice now. Read it, you know, shortly after you you sent it or after you gave me a signed copy of it. And then in preparing for this, I, I, I picked it up just to, to read a few things. And then I ended up <laughs> probably reading about <laughs> half of the book again. Um, and, and I kept, you know, finding little things that I was like, oh, yeah, we need to do that. We need to do that. You know, so there's a lot of that. But, but in that process, you really start understanding what it takes to be to be a leader um, and, and in this industry. And, you know, and you say in the book, and I'm paraphrasing this a little bit, being a manager is easy. Being a leader is difficult. Um, and, you know, just want to ask you, what, what characteristics do managers need to have in order to, to be considered a leader? What are your thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah. Um, and it's funny because when you ask that question and it, it immediately takes me to a place to reflect on what Simon Sinek once said. I think he said, uh, being a leader is not about being in charge. It's about looking out for those in your charge. Right. Um, you know, and it, it takes me to reflect on my very first property as a, as a leasing manager that I had the opportunity to be a leasing manager for, uh, co- coincidentally, it was actually the same property that I was a, a community assistant before or for, before I had transferred universities. Right. So, um, Awesome. I don't know how I ended up getting the sales manager job because um, I had absolutely no sales experience prior. But, you know, for for some reason, I still don't know to this day, they took a shot on me. Right. But with that lack of experience came lack of results, especially more immediately. Right. I found myself on countless underperformance calls, you know, I'm getting reprimanded left and right. So knowing that my window is very slim. I don't have the experience. I clearly don't have the tact, right? Like it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's just not there. Right. So I started trying to figure it all out. I start watching all the different sales movies, reading all the different books that I can, you know, grab my hand or get my hands on. I'm calling all the other leasing managers in the portfolio. Like, dude, how are you finding success? How can you help me out? Like I'm, I'm doing anything and everything that I can, but I met failure after failure after failure. Until one day, um, my area manager, uh, area sales manager, she ended up coming down with a fleet of corporate employees, which to me as a new. Don't you love uh, that? Yeah. <laughs> and oh, my God. It, <laughs> I felt like the SWAT team at Game Man, but it was literally like two or three people. But to me as a brand new employee, oh, my God, I, my heart was jumping out of my chest um, because essentially they were just going down the box, checking off everything that we were doing wrong, ripping down all the the weird like like the motivational posters and stuff that we have on the wall. And like, we had this like selfie wall for all of our employees that came and ripped that down because of course that's why we weren't signing leases. Um, you know, um, all of these different, I mean, basically they just came and repositioned our whole office. And then all at once my area sales manager sat down with me and said, Willie, if you don't do your job, I'll find somebody who will. Wow. Yeah, and it was huge, right? Because like, I can only imagine anyone else in that situation. I can imagine it's, that's tough to hear, right? Basically your boss, the person that you're reporting to, the person that's supposed to be your mentor, your leader, your team lead, they're basically telling you, you're dispensable. We don't need you, right? And if you don't do it, I'll find somebody else who will. What does that do to the employee, right? Easily, you know, I you could get start to get discouraged and you can start questioning your worth with a company. You start, you know, if I'm not needed here, somebody else may need me, right? It's it's easy to kind of dis, 
detach yourself because that's a visceral feeling, right? You can't really talk back. I wanted to, but I had to help <laughs> hold my tongue, right? But for me, it was a little bit more motivating because now I had somebody to prove wrong, right? I, I took it as offensive or like I took offense to it. and was like, you know what? Fine. If you're going to fire me, go ahead and fire me. But fire me. Not, you're not going to fire me for being somebody who was just sitting around watching things happen and not making things happen. Right. You're not going to fire me for, you know, somebody who was sitting around counting the minutes and not making the minutes count. Like if you're going to fire me, you're going to know that I went out there and I did anything and everything that I can to fill this property up the way that I can. Like the only way that I know how, because everything else I'm trying isn't working. Right. And telling that story makes me reflect on like what I know management versus leadership to be. Right. And I'm only one guy. Um, And in my opinion, I say management is easy. It's easy to come in and use your status, use your your position and your title and, you know, kind of as a fear tactic to light a fire under somebody's bus. But like, hey, go out there and get this done or I can find somebody else who will do it. Right. Yeah. If you don't do your job, I'll find somebody who will. But it's another thing to be able to light a fire underneath some or like within somebody, right? Light the fire as big as an Olympic flame inside somebody to motivate them to want to work even outside of your watch, right? Because as a manager, yeah, you you scared me. I know I know that you control my next paycheck. I know that you're controlling my next meal, right? So while you're in my face, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to give you everything that I have. But when you turn your back, you know, yep. I'm going to do what I want to do. Right. Um, but as a leader, right, if you can find something that makes me tick and motivate me into working that much harder because there's some self-investment there now. Right. Like I have something attached to it. I know that you care about me and I don't want to let you down. I'm going to work a little bit harder. I'm going to have a different driving force. So I think leadership's a little bit harder because it takes it takes intention. Right. And I think the greatest form of like influence the number one rule to it is allowing yourself to be influenced as well by the person that like reaching out to somebody with the intent of allowing them to influence you learn that person and be able to make that tick. Right. So some characteristics, sorry, I'm going on a little soapbox Wes, but (laughs) (laughs) characteristics of leadership to me. Um, If you were to ask me, I'm going to give it to you as quick as possible. Um, Five, Good characteristics that I like to focus on. Three of them I uh, wrote in the book is humility, empathy, and authenticity. But on top of that, I'm really big about um, servantship as well as your ability to embrace loss. Right. And I'll start with those two. Servantship. It's funny because um, <laughs> I used to call and, you know, I used to call my team the Avengers. Right. And because this takes me to this place because I've been watching WandaVision recently. And if you haven't watched that, take the time. It's worth it. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'll go ahead and warn everybody. The first couple of episodes, you're like, what is this? I don't get this. But yeah, right. After the first two episodes, it gets pretty good. There's a twist. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, And that's exactly what happened. I I stopped midway after the first episode. And then one of the community assistants that I'm working with, um, we're working with, right? Uh, They were like, hey, um, keep watching it. It's awesome. Just fight through the first episode. And I did. And it completely like circling back to your your question. It took me back to how I used to call my uh, my team, the Avengers. Right. And, and, and the Avengers in the sense that. I would be Captain America. Right. But, you know, 
all the rest of my team, they're still out there. And it, it's funny because, yes, I knew my team and I would know when I needed a Hulk to go smash things. And I knew when I needed a Black Widow to, you know, kind of finesse and use her attack to do things. Right. And yes, I'm pointing my team in different directions. But it's not like Captain America is not down there fighting as well. He's just fighting his fight. He's not just aimlessly delegating so that he can sit in an office and push a few papers. Right. He's doing things with his team in the trenches, in the mud, essentially making it happen with his team. Right. And that's essentially that was my management style um, when I was on site. Um, yes, I'm going to ask you to do things, but it's solely so that we can push the needle together. Um, but that servantship, them your team seeing you down there fighting with them, signing the next lease, doing the follow-up calls, it shows that you're not above those small tasks. The, the small things that make a huge impact, right? You're not above that. And it, may, it gives them a certain level of hunger, a certain level of attachment to it as well. They want to work a little bit harder. Two, your ability to be okay with the loser, right? Like being, I guess, lack, I, I guess you're not afraid of loss, Right. Um, I hear oftentimes people say it's a fear of failure, but a lot of times that fear of failure stifles your growth because I'm a firm believer in this. When you win at something, you win because of something that you already know. Now that's good. That's awesome. Right. Because in that win, any level of success leaves a pattern. Right. So you can. Mm-hmm learn from that success and continue to implement those same strategies and find those wins, right? If this worked here, keep on doing it, right? It's it's yielding traffic and that traffic is yielding leases. Awesome. But when you lose, you lose because of something you don't know. But the good thing about that loss, I guess, and the only way you can consider it a loss is if you didn't learn a lesson from it. Um, that's my next point. You get to learn something from it. And in that learning, you get to grow um, and make yourself that much better, right? So, and in that growing process, now you have the opportunity to teach your team as well. And you guys are all growing together. And I, I, th- I think it's huge. And it leads to my next point of humility. Um, just being humble enough to say, hey, my processes are not perfect and there's always room for improvement and recognizing that anybody on your team can bring in something that can completely change a trajectory of your leasing season, right? But just because this is the way that you have been operating doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do it that way every single time. This industry changes every single year. I mean, every, I mean, Let's look at where we are now compared to COVID just completely shifted everything that we, exactly. that we do, right? So exactly. it's constantly changing. You just have to be nimble enough and, you know, humble enough to be able to accept that change and recognize that your processes are not perfect. Number four here, empathy. Noticing that your team and who you're talking to, they may not, it's, there's no cookie cutter approach to managing a team or cookie cutter approach to um, motivating and inspiring any person, right? You can't just, it's training, motivation, mentorship is not just a check the box kind of thing. You can't just put together a, uh, a training and sit them in front of a computer and tell them now that you trained them or you motivated them. No, you, you have to get to know that person. Allow yourself to step outside of your shoes and your agenda and figure out what makes your team tick and what's their motivating force, because that's what's going to make them work off the clock or work because they, they have some attachment there. And then last but not least, authenticity, man. It's something to be said to, you know, allow your team to see the real you and not necessarily just, you know, putting together, you know, your casual Fridays and your, you know, all these random like things to build the culture or like try to create a culture. It's, you know, thoroughly w- letting them see you and letting them know who you are and to sh- truly just 
caring about them, right? I can't, I can't emphasize it enough, man. You, you have to care about your team. You have to, and back to my point earlier, right? It's about taking care of your people. Human capital, I would say is, you know, the biggest line item on your budget, right? Like it's, it's, yeah. it's huge. You have to invest in your people. Yeah. That, that was a great way to, to summarize it. I love, I love those five points. That's perfect. And, you know, you, when you're talking about empathy and you're talking about, you know, getting to know your employees, that, that kind of leads me to the next question I wanted to ask you. And in chapter two of the book, you've got a section in there titled, I believe it's relationships outside of the workplace. And, Absolutely. you know, you, you talk about the investment into knowing your team outside of the office. And it's really about understanding what, you know, motivates your teams, not from a, Hey, I've got to figure out how to motivate them so I can, you know, be more successful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, but really from a, a pure sense of you want to better that person. And that's absolutely. why, you know, you need to do that. But, but you tell a story about, you know, when you were in high school and your brother passed away from cancer, you know, he was pretty much the, the parent for you and your younger sister. So, you know, this, this ultimately led to, to you guys being uh, split up. But you talk, and, and I'd love for you to get into that story if you feel comfortable sharing that as well. Of course, you go into details in the in the book about it as well. But you talk about your math teacher who who basically you know took you under his wing, and you know I think a lot of people may look at that situation today and kind of condemn the teacher. You know, you're constantly Absolutely. hearing about about that those type of things. But you know, his attention was was really pure as, as we were talking about. And, you know, it, it provided a huge impact on your life. Um, Absolutely. You know, I think, I think a lot of site and, and regional level managers, uh, they, they feel like they've got to put up these walls between, you know, their, their work life and the personal life. I think you put it, you know, between work and life. And, and I love how you do that. But you, you know, you advise really strongly against putting up those walls. And I, I just want to, if you could share with us a little bit uh, as to, to why you feel that way. Yeah. Um, and to your point, Wes, about about Peter, it's funny because I, I, I write Patrick in the book for the sake of anonymity, but um, cat's out the bag now, right? Um, <laughs> Peter was my guy. Why? Because like you discussed, um, I, it was a really tough time in my life and, uh, you know, Naturally, I was going and naturally, like my my behavior as a sophomore in high school, it started to reflect that. Right. Because, you know, growing up, you know, there was very early we had to establish our Fantastic Four. Right. My older brother, his twin brother, right, uh, my myself and my little sister. Right. And this is this is what we we knew. Right. And um everything like I, I knew my big brother to be the guy that where I, I used to get bullied at school right and um, when I would come home crying he would pick my head up and say what are you crying for crying doesn't fix things doing fixes things and he'll go out and bully the same bullies that bullied me or right when I uh, got in trouble for <laughs> some reason as a kid I thought that the way to turn off the lamplight in our attic was to throw a shirt over it, right? <laughs> throw a shirt over it. <laughs> the thing torches, right? And my brother, you know, instead of ratting me out and pointing me out and saying it was Willie, right? Like, you know, he shut up and we all got in trouble for it. He knew it was me, right? But he he wanted to protect that, right? Still to this day, if my grandpa doesn't know, it was me, right? But, um, you know, it's, it's funny because in all aspects of it, he, he was my Superman, 
Right. And when I got the phone call or when I, you know, we knew that my brother was diagnosed, it was like watching my, my Superman meet his kryptonite and oh, it was tough. Right. And naturally yeah. like, yeah, yeah. And in, in high school, right. You have a reputation to hold up and I'm always this funny kind of cool kid. And, and especially in high school, you overvalue the opinion of, of other people. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things. Homecoming, homecoming kings and queens and prom king, you know, that whole thing, right? So sure enough, I'm in class and naturally my temper is a little bit shorter and my attention span is a little bit shorter. This guy's watching me spiral into God knows where. And he immediately steps in. Selfless, just complete altruistic act, right? He absolutely had nothing to gain from it except for the fact that he he recognized me as being a smart kid, right? He said, you're one of my brightest students, not necessarily just because I knew the curriculum, but he just seemed potential in me. So much so, instead of letting me go home to like a temporary home because my brother passed away and, you know, we had been evicted and we literally have no place to live um, sitting on the couch. So I didn't have a place to really study and focus on school. So my mentor allowed me, he stayed um, extra hours after class to, you know, allow me a space to study and allow me a space to work. Right. Um, whenever I would hit certain milestones, he wouldn't hesitate to take me out to eat. Right. Uh, he made me the TA for the class so that I, not only was I able to learn the craft, but I was actually able to help teach it. Right. Um, which further embedding it, like he just further invested in me, but he never hated or he never hesitated to sit down and actually talk to me about life and how things were really going. Right. And that was huge to me because now he had he had this way of knowing me as a person beyond the curriculum, beyond everything that was going on. And um, why do I say there has to be I mean, the whole concept of separating work from life and having that personal relationship is like if if your job is to motivate and inspire your staff and, and lead your team and be a mentor to your team. Right. I mean, how do you go about doing that? If you don't know him, right? This, this whole relationship that Peter had with me was it, it allowed him to get to know me and figure out what was my, what was motivating me? What was my driving force? What made me tick? Not what makes a student tick or, you know, like he got to know me and he was able to further influence me into a more positive path, right? Uh, honestly, if it wasn't for that engagement, I wouldn't be where I am today, but. You know, it's it's wild because a lot of times we'll look at our staff and we'll put them in front of a computer. We'll sit them down and have them do a training. And that's that's kind of the root of it. And then we just completely turn them off. I We're not friends. You're my employee. We can't go out and eat. We're not going to go drink like we're not going to do anything outside of this office. The you know, the basis of your relationship is a lead coming in the pipeline and, you know, closing a lease. Right. Like, how do you motivate somebody if you don't know that somebody? And I, I think it's just completely invaluable to your process is completely invaluable to any level of leadership to get to know your people. Right. Um, I said it earlier. I'll say it again. Human capital, man. You have to invest in your team. You have to invest in your people and take care of your people because they're going to take care of you. But again, it's there's no one size fits all approach to that. Right. You have to take the time to get to know them for who they are. Um and it can go a long way. And it's wild because that same template and, you know, I'll give you a short version of it. That same template applies now 15 years later when I took my kid nephew out to um, urban urban air out here in Houston to go at the trampoline park. Right afterwards, we sat down on my car, you know, underneath the stars and, you know, was just sitting there talking. And the kid said, Uncle, you know why I like you? I said, why is that? 
He said, because you take the time to listen to me. Right. And it's funny because both the teachers at the, uh, at the school are always so infatuated with how I'm able to motivate the kid to do certain things. Or even his mom is like, he listens to you a lot more. Like, um, why is it that, you know, you can get him to do this? Right. And the kid is telling you, he's like, because he listens to me, right. He knows me and it could just go a long way to just get to know your team. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and, and I'm glad you're still taking him to, to urban air because you mentioned in the book, you know, uh, that I think one of the uh, uh, maybe even in the same chapter that, yeah, <laughs> that was, that was the way you got him to, to, there was some, a period of time where you moved in with your sister and you were, you know, being a bit of that, that father figure and an older brother all wrapped into one to, to your nephew. And yeah. And yeah, that's, that's what you use to motivate him. So it's, I was it's extreme cool arena. He it, came and yeah. shot in my face with a Nerf gun. <laughs> <laughs> it's my payment. <laughs> well, hey, you, you know, you talked about the, the attributes or the characteristics of a, of a leader. You talked about how to motivate others. I want to talk a little bit, you know, about, about self-motivation because, you know, I, I've seen you in your current position where you're going from, you know, property to property to do a lease up. You know, you may be there a month, you may be there six months, um, <clears throat> but it's really there to, to spark things, get the team focused, sometimes maybe even, you know, hiring the team. And, and then you're off to the next assignment and you were just so methodic, you know, and and how you hit a market and you get things going. And and some people, me, <laughs> look at look at what you know you you've been doing with Empower Property Management Consulting and you know, just say, Wow, Willie must, you know, you must have been a part of a company that that really spent a lot of, of time training you and and that type of thing. But, you know, you mentioned in the book that in your first lease up in, in Michigan, you landed on the ground thousands of miles away from home uh, and from where you've had all of your success at with, you know, no training, no template on how to get things up and going. You literally ended up writing the, the template that you use now. So so I want to go back to that first assignment in Michigan and you know, you well, don't know anyone back there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know anyone. You don't know the campus that had to take a lot of motivation. Uh, what, what got you through that? Oh man. Um, well, first and foremost, Michigan was very unique. Um, <laughs> unique in the fact that I've never really, I just never really experienced like that. N- nothing wrong with the city, but Man, it was cold, right? Like it was, it was, it was just different, man. Uh, especially like, like they have this lake effect weather and that lake effect hit, hits every season, right? And you'll see all four seasons in Allen Devil in the wintertime. It's below zero. It's crazy cold, but you also get that wake of lake effect wind that comes and it's piercing like literally. Oh my God. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, right? Um, but it's funny yeah, because by the way, people in Houston know what that feels like now. Yeah, yeah, now we do. To do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was rough, man. It was, it was, it was tough. But first, getting down there, I, and it's funny because, um, again, I was at the Texas Student Housing Leasing Conference or Texas Student Housing Conference just this past week, and I had the opportunity to be a, a moderator for one of the panels, and I opened up the segment with this question, right? I, I just asked straight out, what, what is your superpower, right? Kind of that invisible 
intangible goal, like, like superpower of yours that makes you kind of good at what you do without necessarily being your job title, right? Um, whether your business development, superpower is probably not business developments, maybe your ability to build rapport and talk to people, right? Mine, if I had to say anything and answer that question, it's, uh, I would say I have impenetrable skin, right? Like really tough skin, right? In the sense that I have this ability to adapt to circumstances. And I, I found myself in a place where now I chase uncomfortability. Being comfortable, I always used to preach about, preach, you know, being comfortable, being uncomfortable, right? Because it's in that great, it's in that time of discomfort that you experience the most growth. And I, I like to chase those moments because it allows me to problem solve and fix certain things. For example, in that Michigan situation, right, where nothing was going right, right? Murphy's Law at its finest, right? The leasing office was delayed getting put together. When it was put together, we ran into issues with plumbing and, you know, um, you know, water. <laughs> We're in a trailer, right? So that's an issue, right? We're crazy far away from camp or not crazy far away, but a lot further away than a lot of our competition. Our floor plans are a lot smaller. Our price points are a lot higher. Also, the market that we are in, um, you know, typically didn't get above 80% at that point, right? So, you know, it was going to be a <laughs> shark tank of a market and we had to be the one property that held our head above water. How are we going to go out there and do it, right? All, it seemed like all odds were against me when I went to go out and talk to some of the other property management or properties. The managers were like, dude, I don't know why you guys are not only building one phase, but two new phases. That's crazy. That's nonsense, right? Like you guys, you guys are lunatics. It's not going to work. Naturally, you know, I started to go in that direction as well. But, you know, at that point, it was just like, yo, at what point are you going to stop letting what others can't do define what you can do? Like, at what point are you going to be stronger than your strongest excuse, right? Like, I, they didn't send me down here to make excuses. They sent me down here to make change, make something happen, right? So, in the way of, like, self-motivation, and, and back to your question, right? It was it was what motivates me? Well, yeah. I mean, what's what's kind of that, you know, when you're when you're thrown into a situation, you know, what is it that, that you're able to to dial into for that self-motivation that you need. Absolutely. Um, I think is, I think it's probably the best way to put it. Cause I, I see you do it every, you know, at least three or four times a year, right. Where you're just completely thrown into, you know, a, a fish out of water type of situation Absolutely. and you know, you, you end up conquering it. So. Absolutely. And I, I, I think imagine that takes a lot of self-motivation. Absolutely. And I think, I think the, the biggest thing, what I would, what I would associate it with is yes, self-motivation, but sometimes it takes stepping outside of yourself, right? Because if a lot of the, it, whenever something is solely, it's a selfish act, right? Um, we're going to hit a wall naturally. Like we all have our burnout. We all had hit those moments where it's like, yo, I can't push past it. I just want to quit. I just want to give up. You know, this is too hard, right? But if your driving force is solely about you, if you're the only thing that is motivating you, then when you're down like that, it's going to be really hard to get back up, right? There's no, there's nothing else attached to it. But when you see that it's bigger than you, when somebody else can benefit from it, like when you, when you have a driving force, it's no longer simply about you and self-investment. 
you tend to work a little bit harder, right? These students are depending on me. This owner is depending on me. They trusted me, right? I'm doing this for Wes. Wes is my guy, right? Like, you know, um, <laughs> you tend you tend to work a little bit harder when, you know, somebody else is depending on you. And I say all that, I don't, I don't know, at least, at least for me, right? When your driving force is something bigger than you, it, it gives you that extra, that second wind when you do hit a wall, right? So, um, and that's kind of the basis of, you mentioned empower earlier, basis of empower, right? It's, it's at the sole purpose of it. It's, we want to be able to empower you guys. We want to be able to leave you guys better than how we found you when we come down to help you guys out with these properties, right? I always tell people if, you know, we meet this same situation next year, then we completely failed you. I want to be able to be in a place where um, we're down and we're able to motivate your team. We're able to empower your team. We're able to inspire them to be able to find success long after our 60 day window is done. Right. So it's 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 about attaching yourself to something that's bigger than you and working hard to accomplish that. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to I want to talk a little bit about culture because you talk about that in the book as well. And we've talked a lot on the podcast about, you know, building company culture and, and there are, you know, some great companies within our industry who, you know, have been very deliberate and intentional about their company's culture. But, you know, we, we've also said that each individual staff uh, site staff, you know, has its own distinct culture. Just like, you know, the site manager is the CEO of the property. They're also the ones that, that have to spearhead that, you know, kind of microculture of their site. And what do I mean by that? You know, the, the way the staff communicates to each other, the way the staff communicates to the customer, it's, it's really about how the staff treats the residents and other staff members. That's, that's culture. It's not... You know, I think a lot of people think about it being the the furniture that you have in your clubhouse or you mentioned earlier about allowing your staff to have casual Fridays. I've seen a lot that are allowing, you know, staff members to bring pets into the clubhouse and that kind of thing. But it's really about how we treat people. And in the book, you talk about, you know, this culture being cultivated and not created. And so I just want to kind of ask what you mean by that. Yeah, um, I, I think you just put it. I mean, you hit it right on the head. I don't think culture can be fabricated, right? Like, and <laughs> I've always, I have my own opinions. That's a whole nother podcast, but it, I have my opinions about, you know, like the way that you kind of present yourself when you're in the office, right? And, uh, or, you know, like how presentation is key. And I, I may not win the crowd favorite, but I'm not the biggest fan of like casual Fridays and just solely just doing casual Fridays because, you know, it's, first of all, it's kind of socializes something that should be done. It's casual Friday. It's everybody knows what casual Friday is. Um, and that's, that's a form of culture, right? Um, I mean, you, you had just mentioned it. Um, but I don't think like those small little nuggets is what defines culture, right? Like if you want to, if you want to establish a culture of hardworking people, Wes, you said it, it's about how you treat people. If you want to establish a culture of somebody who's hardworking, give those positive reinforcements for the, for your staff as they are working hard, right? If they do something that's absolutely phenomenal, 
you know, fantastic, right? And you want to, um, you want to recognize that, do it, celebrate them publicly, right? If they do something that's, you know, not so great, then, you know, reprimand them privately, right? But celebrate those successes and then hard work will start to become a part of your culture, right? Or, you know, self-sufficiency, right? If, you know, if you want to create a culture of self-sufficiency where your community uh, assistants aren't constantly just reaching out to you, calling you, oh, you know, somebody's on the phone for you, Susie, the community manager. Oh, what do they want? Uh they wanted to know what our parking fee is, right? Hey, you can answer that. You can answer that just like any, just like any manager, right? But, you know, as a manager or any level of, you know, upper management, as we continue to grow, we have to start to culture, cultivate that, that self-sufficiency, recognize it, praise that self-sufficiency as it's happening. And, you know, like if, in those moments where they're like, hey, you know, they want to ask me about a parking fee, you have to stop them in their tracks right then and there and start to create this kind of DNA that becomes part of who your staff is, not just every Friday they just wear a T-shirt and jeans to the office, right? They start to work harder. They start to believe in everything that's going on, not because it's you know, Monday and you bring in donuts, but because we know that here at this property, we work hard and we do this and we believe in this, right? It's part of our culture. It's who we are now. I don't know. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Yeah, I think, I think it makes, I think it makes perfect sense. You know, it's just, and the thing that keeps coming to my mind is just intentionality. And, and Absolutely. I think, you know, that's what's so key for folks that are, that are site managers. And it's not just, it's not just the site manager. I think it's also very much the maintenance supervisor that have got to be leading, you know, that and, you know, really just, you know, reminding people, you know, I I tell CEOs all the time, they're not the chief executive officer. They're the chief repeating officer. You know, they've got to be, they've got to be repeating this stuff over and over and over again. Absolutely. You know, I think, uh, what is it like? You got to hear something 16 times before you know it or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just it. You know, and you think about the turnover that we have with a a lot of our staff, just because a lot of them are college students and they're part-time, you've got to do it even more. It's just, it's just something that you've got to be intentional about. So, yeah, I I, I want to. I probably need to wrap up here a little bit, but I want to. Um, you know, I want to brag on you a little bit just because you've been. You kind of hinted to it a little bit earlier, but you've been working on a property that I'm actually in charge of asset management for, and you know, it's and you've done just a fantastic job there. I can't for for those if there's any Thank you. owners or or. Folks that are you know above the site level that you know maybe you've got a property that is that's struggling from a leasing standpoint. Get in touch with with both Willie and his his partner Victoria uh, that over at Empower uh, PMC. What they've been able to to do has just been incredible. So you know, I appreciate for me personally. It was a it was a tier one market where there was a lot of extra inventory, extra inventory being developed, which I still don't understand. <laughs> but you know, this this property hasn't been able to get you know out of the eighties for the past two years, and and we just said, look, if we're going to do something different. Or expect different results. We've got to do something different, and or otherwise we're just living out that you know definition of insanity. And said, look, it's it's time to bring you know Willie and Victoria in, and you guys have just blown it away. And I, I appreciate what you've been able to do 
you know, not just from the standpoint of I think we're, you know, a good 15, 20 points ahead year over year on our pre-leasing at that property. And I don't want to just thank you for, for that standpoint, but I can also see with the staff, there's been a huge mind shift that's happened there as well. And, and it's, <clears throat> it all comes down to your leadership. So, so folks, if you're out there, that. you've got a site that, that's been struggling, be it from just they need a spark or maybe they need a mind shift. I can't endorse Willie and, and his company enough for that. So, so thanks for that personally. And then also thanks just for you know being who you are. And, and of course, thanks for spending Thank you, the time Wes. with us today. So the book is releasing. You can get it on Amazon. Where else can folks follow you, Willie, if they want to get these little nuggets of, of knowledge and wisdom and motivation? Absolutely. Um, well, me personally, um, my name is everywhere. Um, Instagram, it's where there is underscore will underscore there's a way. Um, but empower, empower PMC is just about everywhere. LinkedIn, William Butler. Facebook, Willie Butler. You could just, you know, my name, it's, it's just my name, right? So yeah, follow me on, you know, pretty much any handle um, under my first and last name and we'll connect. You follow me, I'll follow you back. But most right. important, follow Empower PMC on LinkedIn. That's where all the fun happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, Willie, thanks so much again for, for your time. And we, uh, we look forward to hearing from you more. And, and thanks for all the work that, that you're doing to make student housing better. I love it. Thank you for having me, Wes. Well, guys, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that. If um, if if you haven't been a part of our Memo Web series, we're going to bring it back in September. At least that's the plan. Um, <laughs> I think we're going to, I'll be honest, it was a lot of work. I think we're going to switch this to, in May, we did a monthly format versus a weekly format. And uh, But stay, stay tuned for that. We're also planning on making an announcement sometime over the summer about bringing back live events. Um, we just Ooh. recently did a webinar with Euphorus where they were launching a new, a new annual report. Um, if you, if you missed that, it was on marketing, new developments and renovations, go out to our YouTube channel and, and check that out. We had a fantastic panel and, but I think we had about 80 people that attended the uh, the live webinar and um, like I said it's out there on on our YouTube channel now if you want to go check that out I would highly suggest anybody that's going to be working on a new development go and and check that out it's got some great information in it and uh, but you know I, I pulled the audience to to find out if you know if they were ready for live events and a hundred percent were you know I'm past ready for live events so. <laughs> I think we're going to uh, look at launching something either in fourth quarter or first quarter of, of 2022. So, so stay tuned to that. And the best way you can get announcements for that is to make sure that you join the SHI community. For those of you that don't know, we created our website and, and Greta was very instrumental in doing this to also include a member form where that we call the SHI community. Um, where you can post everything from, uh, you know, hey, what is it that people are doing with, you know, services like Valley Trash or, you know, you can give your experience on things like vector travel, right? And 
Um, so it's a huge resource for things like that. Plus, you could put job posts and and really anything about student housing that you want to talk about there. Uh, but additionally, once you're a member of that, you get you know email notifications and things as it relates to events that we're going to be doing. I'm also going to be at uh, and Greta, you'll be there as well at Interface Student Housing. That is correct. And we'll be doing a live podcast there as well. It is a closed door event, and if you know, if you want to attend, shoot me an email. If we've got room, I'll make sure that uh, that you can be there for that. And there will obviously be uh, more news on that in the weeks to come. But Greta, thanks so much for joining us. I can't wait to have some more discussions with you. We've got to do something pretty soon on sales training. Yeah. It's been something that's been really, really relevant to a lot of things I've been working on. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to having that discussion with you at some point. Oh, oh, I'm very excited by this. <laughs> okay. And, and I'm excited to see you in real life. So, Hey, yeah, see you even next though, month. Even though we <laughs> live 45 minutes 45 minutes. next month. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. I like this. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> All right, guys, take care and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.